Hello and good morning. It is what day? Wednesday. <laughs> Happy hump day, everybody. It is I, Connor, at the beginning of another little bitty, teeny tiny mini episode uh, on the Hoopercast uh, universe. A uh, couple film news stories to talk about this morning. Pretty light. <coughs> Excuse me, pretty light. Sorry about <coughs> sorry about all the coughing. My asthma's acting up, and uh, I'm out of medication, so I'm sort of just going to get through this week as is, and uh, and God help me. Um, <clears throat> boy, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's tough to take deep breaths. Um, there is an interesting piece of film news I came across the other day. I saw that Quentin Tarantino, who... Well, okay, I'll get to that in a minute. Quentin Tarantino is uh, reportedly <clears throat> considering making a horror film. So, obviously, we know Quentin Tarantino has done nine films. His ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is currently in theaters. And uh, has vowed since the beginning of his career, I believe, or the first time he was asked about it, basically, that he <coughs> is going to do ten movies and then retire from film directing um which is an interesting um we've talked about this recently on the show I mean it's an interesting uh sort of number to set for yourself and some would consider it a low number um and then retiring getting out of the business or getting out of the business of film directing at least um and maybe consider it like a limiting thing to do like oh why why would you I mean what if you directed 10 great films? Like, you don't want to do an 11th great film? Um, and so, for a while, <clears throat> he's been rumored to be attached to this Star Trek movie, and, you know, a couple of the Star Trek actors, like Carl Urban, have been like, oh, they Paramount would be a fool not to let Quentin direct a Star Trek movie, and, and all of these things. Um, and I'm not, I, I'm not excited for that particular kind of a project it could be interesting but until I see a trailer I'm the concept I'm I I I would I would pass on um I like Quentin Tarantino and I think Star Trek has potential for some good stories I don't necessarily think that the two mix uh it's just my opinion (coughs) um but then he talks about wanting to make this horror film because apparently there's like a scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or a a sequence that's basically horror and uh, I think he just sort of was, this is probably just an offhanded comment, but I think he was essentially saying yeah, I didn't realize how well I executed a horror scene until we were in post on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the editor told him, hey, this looks really like horror based and it's good Um, I'll say this I'm a lot more into the idea of Quentin Tarantino directing a horror film than I am a Star Trek movie a genre sci-fi movie that just seems way out of left field for him and you know a horror film something more grounded and um, tense he does tension really well Quentin does Um, I I think that he could do a good job I've recently sort of been dipping into horror more. I'm trying to write a horror movie. That's one of my uh, 
my current projects I'm juggling is is writing a horror story and so I'm I've sort of my interest in the genre has has increased a little bit and uh and I, I'd go see a Tarantino horror film I mean <coughs> excuse me uh Kevin Smith made a horror film way back in the 2000s that people may or may not remember and I don't know if it's 2000 it might have been late 2000 I don't know um but Red State was a movie, and I really liked Red State. Um, Red State was about this like cult, basically, um, and it was really well executed, and it was completely different from what he was doing at the time. I believe at the time he was, you know, Clerks Two had had recently been out, and um, like Zach and Miri make a porno, and maybe even Cop Out had been released. I can't remember. I'm having a hard time remembering the time period. But I loved Red State a lot. And it's, it's it, as a genre, horror, you know, not even, I, I call it horror, you know, it's not like terrifying, you know, like t- typical horror, but it's executed like a horror film. <laughs> Similar to Green Room. Like, yeah, the, the villain isn't like a supernatural entity or a ghost or you know, someone in a scary mask, but the characters are in a terrifying situation and they're trying to escape it. That's horror. Your antagonist doesn't have to be supernatural for it to be a horror film. Um, and yeah. Um, so I, I I would, I, I, I approved of Kevin Smith doing horror. I approve of Tarantino doing horror. I approve of honestly, any director who wants to try horror, I think is an interesting tidbit of a possibility because directors all have these strengths and weaknesses and horror can play to all of those strengths and weaknesses if you're best at dialogue like you're you that that's important to horror as well if you know concept and storyboards and shot design is more of your thing horror definitely hinges on that um having a sense of pace the editing i mean that's it's all important you know, being able to direct actors versus the stunts, whatever, like it's, it's visual effects. It's all, it's all part of it. And I think Quentin Tarantino as a director on a technical level is very, very skilled. I'd watch a horror film that he directed. Absolutely. Um, a couple other small little tidbits of news and then I'll get out of here. Um, there's a book, there's a list on Forbes. At first it was the, um, I don't know about first, but what I saw was the, top list of science fiction books from the past couple of years. Uh, so that list is on Forbes if you want to go check it out. I'm not going to read it because it would just be me reading the article. So just go read that out because I haven't read any of those books. So I can't talk about them at all. And I haven't read most of the books on, on this other Forbes article, which is the best sci-fi books of all time. Um, but it's a cool list to check out. If you, you know, just to see which of the classics have still um, endured based on this writer's opinion, um, because there are a lot of the classic um, book series you've heard about, probably, um, in one way or another. And um, it's sort of, I guess it's particularly uh, relevant because Hollywood and streaming services tend to be making a lot of films uh, based on books lately. And not even uh, films, but uh, but you know shows and series. So anyway, the list goes. Um, I can read 
you know, I can kind of just give you the list real quick and, you know, you can check it out or not check it out. Um, <coughs> if you want to read the descriptions more, but it makes me want to check these out, although that'll take me a long time. Uh, but there's the Sprawl Trilogy by William Gibson, which is uh, consists of Neuromancer, Count Zero, and Mona Lisa Overdrive. Um, Hyperion Cantos by Dan Simmons. They're the Hyperion series. Uh, Hyperion, The Fall of Hyperion, Endymion, and The Rise of Endymion. Um, supposedly, by the way, Neuromancer and um, being the inspiration for a lot of, like, you know, dystopian... Um, stories like The Matrix and Deus Ex. Um, these are important and influential on filmmakers. There's The Ender's Game Quartet by Orson Scott Card, of course, being Ender's Game, uh, Ender in Exile, uh, Xenocide, and Children of the Mind. There's Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. There is the Dune series by Frank Herbert, that being Dune, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, God Emperor of Dune, Heretics of Dune, Chapter House Dune. Uh, Dune is being made into a film that's coming out next year, finally. I think people are really excited about that. Apparently the series is incredible, but I have not read it. It seems very dense, but worth it. I'm not to that level of reading yet where I can just take on a six-book series like that. There's the Broken Earth Trilogy by N.K. Jemisin, which is the fifth season, The Obelisk Gate and the Stone Sky. There's the Expanse series by James S.A. Corey, uh, being Leviathan Wakes, Caliban's War, Abaddon's Gate, Shibola Burn, Nemesis Games, Babylon's Ashes, Persepolis Rising, and uh, Tiamat's Wrath. The Expanse is currently a series on Amazon Prime. I hear it's really good. Uh, so that must mean that the source material is very great. So I'm either going to check out the series of the books at some point, definitely. But that's a cool little list. I always like lists like that because somebody who loves these things did the work and made the list, and it's great. <coughs> Speaking of books and Amazon, last little piece of news here. This is from a little bit back, but worth sort of noting. Um, Amazon, this is from Deadline, Amazon is developing the Jack Reacher drama series from Nick Santora based on the Lee Child books. Jack Reacher's been made into a couple of movies already, starring Tom Cruise and, you know, with the involvement of Christopher McQuarrie. And, um, so, and I haven't seen them, but people love them, and people love the books a lot. Um, <clears throat> and apparently Amazon loves the stories enough to essentially option all of them and have Nick Santora, who is the showrunner currently for uh, Scorpion and uh, co-created and executive producer of Breakout Kings, um, co-executive producer of Prison Break, which I loved. Um, Nick Santora is a, a you know big guy in television, and um, it's it's cool that it's just it's always cool when you can adapt a book series to a film, not just because and maybe maybe people think that's lame because it's not an original idea, but. I would argue sometimes, like, I mean, a, a mini series or a limited series or a television series for, you know, a book series, that's the best format to develop a book in because you actually, everyone complains in movies, they never make time for the characters or they never make time for these other little bullshit scenes that we, you know, and that's because movies have to be 90 minutes, uh, you know, 120 minutes long and they don't have time for all these stray ends in the book. You know, you, you adapt a <clears throat> you adapt a story. It's got to be tight. A novel can be dense. It can be detailed, because that's what you're trying to give to the reader. You're trying to give them an immersive experience. And in a screenplay, your whole thing is you're giving them essentially the bare minimum of information, 
so that you can make a tight story that people can sit through in one big chunk like that. And so the whole point of writing a screenplay is to be quick and efficient. And yeah, you're going to cut storylines that either don't be, don't need to be there, can be told a different way, can be condensed or combined into another scene, and um, and keep the runtime down and thus keep the cost of the film down. So it shouldn't be surprised to anyone these days. Like when I was a kid, I'd heard this all the time. Like, oh, it was not really a lot for the books in the movie. And it's, you know, okay, maybe people don't understand. We have the internet. We have articles. We're all adults. We can tell right now, oh, they couldn't, like whenever people do say to me, like, you know, about any particular thing, like when I still hear one or two people complain about the Harry Potter movies. Like, yeah, I just wish they got this spot from the bookhead. Like, Jesus Christ, dude. It was like 10 years ago, and you're a grown-ass man, and it's not that big a deal, and you know why it's not in there. Why are you complaining about it? You know why it's not in there. You know damn well why it's not in there. All it takes is Googling one article that explains why movies can't keep all the parts of the book in the movie. That's all it takes is one little Google search. It's pretty fucking easy, okay? Anyway. By contrast, a series has the time to flesh out all those storylines. It actually would love as many subplots as possible because it helps them build out their A, B, and C stories and their mini arcs and their season-long arcs. It actually helps them a lot. It gives, I mean, there's nothing, I mean, Game of Thrones. I mean, when you have a series of books to base a show on and you have all these characters and all these intersecting plots and all these subplots that affect the larger plot... I mean, that's gold. That's what a television writer wants. And it's always, it also just, if you, for the people, the, the fans of the source material, like the, the people who love Dune, again, these are films, so who knows what's going to happen with that, okay? But let's go with um, The Expanse or Jack Reacher. When you have fans of this coming coming to watch the series, even though they know how adaptations go, they still get to look forward to what's probably going to be a series that's going to showcase their characters in the most true way to the source material because there, there is the time. So yeah, that's good. They're developing Jack Reacher to, to series. That's very good stuff, especially with Amazon. You don't have to worry about content restrictions or commercial breaks or whatever. You know, it's all subscriber-based, no FCC, anything goes. I love it. All right, that's going to be it for me today. I'll see you guys tomorrow morning and uh, the Hoopercast movie hour uh, soon after that. Cheers.